the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. February started. We're moving towards Valentine's Day. A lot going on in the world of Wall Street. New year. How do we play off of last year? But more important, as I said, we're already in February. And again, where did January go? Where did the early 2000s go? These are all thoughts that should be going through your mind as time is ticking. It is time to really start thinking about retirement readiness. CFP Chad Burton with EP Wealth and I will be doing an event, the Seven Steps for Retirement Readiness um, in Menlo Park, 630 to 830, Thursday, February 15th, day after Valentine's Day. And it's going to be kind of a checklist for you of things where you can kind of see, okay, I'm missing this area, I'm doing this area really well. And I think we all need that. And the smart IQ quotient of this show goes way up when CFP Chad Burton's on the show. I'm more of a wealth accumulator. He's more of a wealth manager. I think that's the easiest way to sum it up, but it's a little bit more than that. If you have at least $500,000 in investable assets, this event's for you. Again, Menlo Park, um, easy parking right on El Camino, super easy to find. You won't have a problem. Um, you're down to your last couple of weeks, uh, last couple of days to sign up. Sign up at Rob Black Show or ChadBurton.com. Chad, I said the intelligent quotient goes up when you're on this show. Everyone loves when you're on this show. We need to do more of these together. Um, but with that said, thanks for being on. You are a CFP and people can find you at ChadBurton.com. Um, the magic number is what a lot of people are looking for or top 10 list of things to think about. Um, always on people's minds, the 4% number tends to stand out. Can people just multiply their savings by 4% and figure out if they can live off that? Is that, can we boil it down that simply? Yeah, let's, hold on one second. I'm getting a bad background noise here. There we go. Um, So that that 4%, it's, it's kind of funny, Rob, right? Because we had this era of the 60-40 portfolio is dead and 4% is no longer a, uh, a no-brainer rule. And then this year, it's been the 60-40 portfolio is back and 4% is doable. So what does that 4% mean? Um, I mean, first of all, these are just ideas that can help people say, am I anywhere near having enough to get some help and be able to really get a detailed plan and say, yes, I'm, I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to walk in and say, I'm done working. I have enough assets to live off of them for forever. And so now the, the idea here is, is let's say that you are, you need a hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Okay. You're 65 years old. You need a hundred thousand dollars per year. So you divide a hundred thousand by 0. 0.04. If you had $2.5 million earning at least 6%. So that assumes your asset allocation is correct. Then you you're pretty close, right? But 
Is that $100,000 correct? I mean, have you figured out all of your expenses, your healthcare costs, your taxes when you draw from your 401k? There's so many mistakes that can be made when you're using that rule of thumb that it's just more of an idea of, hey, I, I might be five or 10 years from retirement. You know, we, we talk about that half a million dollars or more to be able to really get something out of this event that we're doing. Right. But that's kind of for the person that's like 10 to 15 years from retirement, really heavily funding their retirement accounts. They're maxing out their 401k. They're doing a Roth IRA. They might even be doing that mega backdoor Roth because they've got to get that half a million dollars to grow so that between their their savings and their 401ks, their Roths and their taxable accounts, their, their social security, and maybe real estate income if they have it, that it's going to cover what they need to live off of, including taxes, including healthcare costs. But they're going to be able to increase their income every single year to keep up with inflation. So there's a lot that goes into that. And then there's different ages, too, that we can talk about. I like the way you put that, um, needing $100,000 per year, kind of figure out your budget, divide it by 4%. It helps people kind of like, uh, I guess, get started is the right idea. But let's do talk about the ages, because I got an email from someone who is in their mid-60s with only 500,000 and hoping that that's enough. And I was like, I don't know. It's going to take a little bit more than a quick email to answer that. What ages do we need to be thinking about? Well, first of all, if you're born 1960 or later, your full retirement is 67 in terms of social security. Okay. So if you take social security anytime before that, you're going to get dinged, right? So when people get their social security statements and they're now typically you got to get them online. So SSA.gov, you can sign up and look at your account. It always assumes when it's telling you this is your income at age 67, it assumes that you work from, you know, the same amount of income until age 67. So if you're retiring at 65 and not taking at 67, the numbers may be a little bit different. It depends on what your earning history is. And a lot of times people, Rob, they get into their highest earning uh, level um, in their mid fifties. And so it's important that they have that number in their social security for at least 10 years, you know, 40 quarters so that they can really boost up their social security income. So a lot of people have this idea of age 65 is the retirement age, but for most people, maybe they should be looking at 67 or 70, which is either full retirement age. But if you wait from 67 to 70, it's like getting an 8% rate of return or so on your money. If you wait to take your social security at age 70, we talk about that a lot, as long as you're going to live into your mid eighties or beyond. So it's always circumstantial. Um, and, but then there's a whole nother scenario. Let, let's say you're retiring at 60, right? Um, your Medicare isn't going to kick in until age 65. So your health insurance costs are completely up to you between 60 and 65, um, and then at 65, you go on Medicare, you pay for Medicare part B yesterday on the show. I talked about supplemental insurance costs. Um, and so you might be starting your Medicare before your social security. And then essentially, eventually, you know, at age 73, your required minimum distributions kick in from your IRAs and 401ks where you have to start pulling money out. And then your tax expenses change. Because the, as soon as you have to start taking money out of your IRAs and 401ks, your taxes will go up. So there's a lot of planning that goes into it. So those those rules of thumb can be helpful just to kind of say, am I anywhere near close? But they are not something that you should bank your retirement on. 
That sounds about right. We only have about a minute left in this segment. Is there anything we should squeeze in or should we promote? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, we, we want to talk about the the seven steps. Um, I think next break we could talk about really is a step that's in there that you should be doing on your own. Um, that I'm not going to go super into detail about at the event is just knowing your expenses. Um, yeah. What are your expenses that are going to be there forever? And what are the random ones throughout life that you're going to face? I promise you that's the area that I struggle the most at because I have two teenagers and um, a relatively new home. So expenses are tough for me to get, put a finger on, but I will ask more about that and I will learn more at the seven steps for retirement readiness coming up in Menlo Park on the 14th, uh, 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. Don't show up on Valentine's Day. Uh, great restaurant at the hotel. You can learn more about where it is in Menlo Park. It's 6.30 to 8.30 Thursday evening. I'm going to get there pretty early if you want to meet with me. CFPs will be there as well if you want to ask questions. Um, coming up, we're going to talk linear cash flow, risk tolerance, safe money, and much, much more. Sign up for the event at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. It's Thursday the 15th, Seven Steps Retirement Readiness. It's coming up soon. I'm Rob Black. Think you're in good shape for retirement? Find out how you're really doing with the seven steps for retirement readiness. Join Rob Black and CFP Chad Burton of EP Wealth Advisors Thursday, February 15th in Menlo Park for a live event. Chad will walk you through these seven steps to find out whether you are really ready for the retirement you want. Rob will provide timely commentary and Chad will share specific strategies for taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and more. If you have at least 500000 in investable assets and want to gauge where your retirement stands, pass on your estate, and create tax efficiencies, this event is for you. The 7 Steps for Retirement Readiness, Thursday, February 15th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Stanford Park Hotel in Menlo Park. Space is limited, so sign up today at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Can you pass all 7 tests? Sign up online today at robblackshow.com. Talking financial planning, and we're talking about the seven steps of retirement readiness. It's a great event. It's probably the last time we're going to be doing this one for a while, then we're going to change it up with another one. You can sign up for the event in Menlo Park, February 15th, 630 to 8:30. It's a Thursday evening. I'll be there a few hours early. Uh, it's a long drive for me, so I don't want to get stuck in traffic and be a minute late. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I have some time to kill if you want to meet. Um, CFPs will be there as well. You can chit chat with them. You can find out more information by going to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com or um, robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com. Chad, when we last left off, and you're a financial planner, you're a regional director with EP Wealth, people could find you online. You've got your own podcast, uh, not as frequent as this one, but a lot of intelligence crammed into it. People can find it at your website, chadburton.com. The seven steps, um, they're kind of all over the place. Linear cash flow. I didn't know what that was until a few years back. Risk tolerance test. Okay, I kind of get that one. Safe money test. I get that one. Tax test. I don't get that one because that's the most complicated to me and probably the most um, uh, value add to me. Monte Carlo simulation and uh, life plans and, and much, much more. Uh, which one do you want to hit on the segment? Well, it, all of these that we're going to talk about the event, it, it's one that you do on your own that you have to figure out before you really do any of these tests. Mm-hmm. is to really figure out what your expenses are. And that's yeah. really a hard issue with a lot of families. I mean, if you just take me right now, I've got three kids in college. So 
when you're running your own spreadsheets, let's say, and you're trying to say how long are each of these expenses going to last, you have the college costs, um, you have, okay, how long are they going to be on your insurance? Are they going to grad school? You know, those types of things. And so it's a little bit all over the place when you have kids, right? When you've got kids that are in soccer and the expenses of travel teams and all that kind of stuff. So really the way that life works and savings for retirement works is when you're younger, a lot of times the most you can do is put enough into your 401k to get the max or the match rather. And then you're trying to pay off all your student loans and everything else. Um, and, you know, I don't think either you or I do shows about budgeting at all. We're, we're, you're doing wealth accumulation. I'm doing wealth management. Uh, if you're dealing with budgeting and you're, you're not able to kind of make ends meet, maybe that's, you're a Dave Ramsey type of a person that really needs to figure out how to control your spending. That's not what we've been talking about here. Right. Right. Um, we really end up talking to those that they get to the point, okay, my kids are finally through college. I'm at the height of my earnings career. I can max out my 401k, um, which is, you know, over 30 grand if you're 50 or older by the end of the year. Uh, plus a lot of 401ks allow you to put in after-tax money that converts to a Roth now. That's the mega Roth 401k. So you're, you're able to finally start really cramming money into this, these accounts and catching up on your savings. And it's you really want to spend a, t- a lot of time doing that. But by the time you get to that point where, okay, I think I'm getting close to about 10 years away, that's when you really have to dial in your expenses. Um, so there's those expenses that, you know, how do I keep the lights on my house and the food and the table? Uh, but then there's the random stuff that occurs. Uh, there's, there's weddings, there's occasional home remodels. You remember our grandparents that had the uh, avocado colored <laughs> appliances and the green shade carpet. I do. I wonder if that, yeah, I think that'll come back. It's again not sometime coming back. Soon. It's, it's about time for it to come back. I always think about that. You know, you see all these chrome appliances, right? Stainless yeah. steel. Is that going to look in 20 years like our grandparents' green appliances looked? I don't know. Uh, but you got these occasional home remodels that people forget about. Or there's a way to do it where you can say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a, an expense in my budget that's 1% of my home value, right? That those home maintenance costs don't occur every year. Um, but they, and they, they add up and happen over time. It's like, you hear about people and like, okay, three appliances go out at the same time. Right. Right. So those types of things, um, new cars every so often, or you're a perpetual lease type of person. If you like to drive something new, um, like I think you and I both, if we wouldn't have been able to write off our model X. Would we have bought it outright or we would have preferred to lease it? I think you and I both would say we would have preferred to lease it based on the values of how badly those cars have depreciated. Right. That's right. And you and I got did that as kind of um, a way for that tax. It's kind of a, how would yeah, you call section it? Section 179. Yeah. 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 You're able to write off, you know, cars that are over 6,000 pounds. You can uh, accelerate a depreciation. But at the same time, I'm for the record, I was on air telling people, if, oh, if you're going that way, and I was telling clients, you might want to consider leasing because the technology is changing so fast. But if you're a business owner, you can write it all off. So, you know, it depends on your situation. That's right. Um, so new cars, um, the biggest increase that I've had to see in, when we're reviewing people's expenses lately is that vacation budget. I mean, if, if anybody's traveled recently, flights are extremely expensive. Hotels are extremely expensive. Um, and... 
that idea that, oh, $10,000 a year is going to get, you know, a couple of vacations. No, that's not, that's not even close. Now, there's definitely cheaper ways to travel once you're retired and you have time to do it that we can talk about. I mean, I, I follow like people like the points guy and stuff like that. Um, do I implement it much? No, <laughs> but, but I will probably when I'm retired. So there's a lot of things that you have to put into your, your expenses that you're not thinking about now. Um, you know, golf memberships, gym memberships, um, you know, more travel and things like that. So it's, there's a, there's a whole lot of exploration and planning that you have to do in terms of your life and your expenses before you can run your, your plan through these seven tests. What do we need to be looking at? Like, is there a priority here? Well, I think the the things that people forget about, I, I mentioned some of them, the other ones are just taxes in general, because you have to have uh, a basic idea that, all right, hey, I'm one of the typical Americans. Most of my savings is in a 401k that has never been taxed. So obviously every dollar that I pull out, I'm going to have a tax bill, right? So that's that's something to consider. So it's just really start to accumulate that spreadsheet. And it is a work in progress for a lot of families. Um, a lot of times we can say, that, hey, we're living off of your take-home pay. We know that. So let's start from there and work backwards in terms of what are you spending? It's a good place to start. This is going to be a good event coming up and Chad's going to have plenty of time to get into the details. It's going to be the seven steps for retirement readiness. It's Stanford Park Hotel, which is right in Menlo Park on El Camino Real. Um, we're going to hit taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing life goals, health and wellness. They all work together. And that's one thing about financial planning that I didn't know five, 10 years ago. They have to work together, especially the taxes and the income. You can sign up for the event at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com, February 15th, 630 to 830. This interview featured on the Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. So talking about the seven steps for retirement readiness isn't quite like seeing the event. It's very visual. I'm a very visual learner. There's some beautiful charts that Chad has put together um, on distributions of the 60-40. When does it work? When doesn't it work? What it's like when it doesn't work? It's complicated. And I, I'm telling you, all these things have to work together. Otherwise, you're not getting a financial plan. Um, Chad and I have worked together for many, many years, and this is a good event. You can sign up for it at chadburton.com. While you're there, look at the other stuff there. He's got some beautiful stuff on his website, chadburton.com. Chad, you and I were talking a little bit about the rains in California, and um, it's been a national story, which is kind of interesting. I've had to relocate in the last 24 hours because I've lost internet and power, and I wanted to do this show, and I wanted to do work. So I'm actually in my mountain house, which has feet and feet and feet of snow, and it shouldn't have internet, but because of the rain in the trees, I have no internet at my personal home, which is kind of funny, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot going on in California. A lot going on in California right now. Um, rain and insurance um, and homes. Um, California is a pretty brutal state in the last 10 years. I've seen a lot of friends leave because of the high cost of living. I've seen friends leave because of insurance costs. I've seen friends leave because tech companies are getting more competitive and uh, slimming down now. What are your thoughts on California and maybe the rain season and, and maybe um, some of the thoughts that you're hearing from clients? Well, if we stick with the idea of insurance, that's been a, a real issue. In fact, um, a lot of clients, especially if they're older and they're kind of you know looking at their rental properties and saying, well, okay, the price has gone up a lot. Now my net income 
you know, bef- before I even pay a property manager or anything else is less than 4%. Um, there, you know, some places are getting letters in terms of losing insurance. Yep. Um, or as we do insurance reviews, um, we're having to go to companies like Pure or Chubb, um, and we don't sell insurance or anything. We we do some insurance analysis and then refer to different insurance brokers out there. Um, recently, I had a, a, a client that you know one of the homes was too small for I think it was Chubb, and the other one was built too long ago for Pure, and so they're having issues on it. And so you're getting more and more people that are like, okay, yeah, it's I'm having problems insuring my, my liability, my rebuild costs with my rental property. So I'm just going to do a 1031 exchange elsewhere. Um, that seems like a wise idea potentially. Yeah, it could be. And there's a lot of options for 1031 exchanges, whether you want to stay active in it or go passive with, um, going into Delaware statutory trust where you're just kind of a passive real estate investor. Um, and a lot of times too, when people have had a piece of real estate for a long period of time, let's say you bought a rental property. Mm-hmm. you know, 20 plus years ago, when you buy that rental property, the structure on the d- property, you can depreciate over 27 and a half years. And what that is, is it's not an expense or anything like that. It just reduces the taxation of your positive real estate income. And as that property ages, you know, and, and you eventually lose that depreciation, the tax on your rental income can go up. So that's, have you ever heard the tar- term swap till you drop? That's what a lot of uh, real estate investors talk about where okay, you, you buy a property, um, you can start getting income out of it. Um, you can fix it up, sell it for a gain, but do a 1031 exchange where you're selling it and then uh, doing a tax-free exchange into another property that's got a higher value. And in some cases you do even more leverage. So you have higher depreciation and a better tax situation. So we're just finding a ton of people that have owned rental properties, especially in the Bay Area, where the prices have gone up a lot, but the rents have not. And so when they look at the true net income, what they're getting on their rental property, so let's just assume your property is totally paid off, right? And you have yeah. your rent minus your property taxes, minus uh, you know any other maintenance costs, in some cases, property manager costs. And we're seeing people netting like 3%. And you can get 5% in FDIC insured money market. So when you own real estate, especially when you have a renter in there, you have some extra liability. So you better make sure your total return is going to be well north of 7%. So you got to look at your properties and say, do I think that I'm only netting, you know, two or 3% now. So am I going to have a, a price appreciation greater than 5% where we are now? And a lot of people are questioning that. And then as you get older too, it's like, even if you have a property manager, there's still issues with rental properties. So a lot of people want to go more passive eventually anyways. I would say after my most current renter leaves, I'm going to consider swapping it out because I could use the assets elsewhere as well as, like you said, it's the headache issues of when things go slightly wrong or hiccup. I just had to change. And this is showing you how petty I am. I had to change um, HOAs on one of my rental properties and um, I have everything automated. And I was like, what's the name of the new company? And like, oh, I got to sign up again. And um, just kind of annoying, if that makes sense. The annoyance is the problem for me. I've got weird emotions. Like, I don't want to charge people top rent because I'm like, I want them to be good tenants. You know, I'm too emotional. I'm too emotional. And it's an asset. It's it's just math. It's just science. I got to cut ties with it. Right. HOAs can be a real problem too. It's like 
<laughs> there's so many awful stories about people that run HOAs and like they have, uh, there's a lot of times where there's just, they don't have much else to do, but complain about other people around them. Um, and I've got two clients having a battle HOA issues right now. Um, one is holding up a sale because they own a condo in Walnut Creek that happens to have a washer and dryer in the unit. And they're doing a 1031 exchange to Reno where they moved to, cause they wanted to move out of the Bay area. They sold their business. They sold their house in San Jose and they're, they're gone. They're in Nevada, right? Lower taxes, much lower property taxes. And so they're out and the HOA um, got an attorney involved saying that they're not supposed to have washer and dryer in the units, which there's really? nothing that says that it's just holding up the sale at this point. And I'm sitting to myself thinking, like, does the president of the HOA or somebody that filed this complaint have some sort of a, uh, tie to the coins that people have to put in a washer and dryer there. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, what is the angle here? Like, why is somebody wasting their time holding up somebody else's sale? Um, and I think that it's just, yeah, HOAs are I'm very wary of HOAs and condos. Yeah. 25 years ago, when I got into this business, I had a very East coast mentality of HOAs kind of stink there. You never own the home. You always have to pay for it buy a single family home. Then you come to California 25 years ago and you, you learn that condos and townhouses appreciate in a similar fashion to single family homes, but you do make that sacrifice on HOAs. Um, I'm with you on that one. Anything else we need to hit on? Um, any thoughts on insurance? Cause um, like I had some property damage and it was the first time in my, my adult life. I got to over 50 without big property damage. Like I had some property damage, and um, it wasn't an easy process. It was financially um, taxing. It was mentally taxing. And um, it's not really what I was preparing for in my financial plan. It's a lot of out of pocket, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, and it can get complicated too. It's like when you're you're younger, you want, you know, if something catastrophic happens, you don't have the cash to do a high deductible. That's right. So sometimes it's better to do that. But when you're older and you're trying to save some money in insurance and you're not the type that's going to process a claim that's just barely above a deductible, which could eventually come back to uh, you know, haunt you with higher premiums or haunt you at the sale um, when other people try to you know insure your property when they buy it, um, then a higher deductible plan might be an option. The idea is that everybody needs to review their, their cost because the cost to rebuild in the Bay Area especially has gone way up. And so we're finding a lot of people underinsured, but then the problem is, is when they go to do changes, that's when they have the issues of increasing the amounts or keeping the insurance altogether. So, you know, it's a problem in California right now, for sure. I remember one of the first stories I did for Cron 4 was there was Oakland fires in the hills and a lot of people had owned the homes and their parents had gifted them. So they never really readjusted the value of the home for the insurance. And when they burned down, they were like, wait, wait, what? I thought it was a $3 million home or a $2 million home, but you only insured it like 600,000. Not good. Right. Yeah. Yep. And, and then even owning rental properties, um, there's a fine line between should you just kind of over-insure them for liability purposes, or should you be throwing them in an LLC to protect your other assets? What's your net worth? And, 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 you know, sometimes it sounds like we are against real estate. You and I both own real estate outside of stocks for sure. And I love it. You just have to do it right. And also be aware of the extra liability that you take and the extra time that it takes. So the returns better be there. Anything else we need to hit? This is content, obviously, that won't be on the seven test for retirement readiness. Um, we've kind of 
jumped off because uh, I wanted to talk a little insurance and rain and uh, what a mess California is right now and may not be the state I retire in if uh, disasters continue to keep happening. Um, anything else we should hit this segment? We've got a couple minutes. Uh, no, I mean, if we stick with that real estate idea, um, okay. you know, and it, if we flow it into one of these different seven steps, uh, one of those tests is the safe money test, which, you know, I often feel like a brokered record because I've been saying this with you on radio since 1999, but hey, this has worked, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002, it worked during the Great Recession, it worked during COVID, is making sure that you have the proper amount of safe money. And so it's not three years worth of expenses, it's three years worth of portfolio draws. And so that safe money amount alters throughout life. You know, it's higher when you don't have social security, it's lower when you do have social security, right? And the question that we get all the time is, is, rental income. Can we use that as here's my total expenses minus social security. Can we use rental income in that, that calculation? And if it is a really dependable property that you know is a you know, good net income, you know, 4% plus, and it's, it's always been a good income and very solid, very low vacancy, then that might be okay to count in that formula. Um, but then you also need to know that is if, if you are heavy in real estate and you eventually need to sell, which properties are you going to sell first? And a financial plan can help you to identify those. And the tax liabilities on properties that have gone up significantly could be a problem, but it's a good problem to have. But that's what CFPs do. They help you with your problems efficiently, whether it's taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, health and wellness, and more. Big event to learn more about what CFPs do at the 7 Steps Retirement Readiness, Stanford Park Hotel in Menlo Park, February 15th, 6.30 Sign up at Chad Burton. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Show goes too quickly when CFP Chad Burton's on. He ups the brainy quotient on financial planning. Financial planning, and I've said it a couple times during this episode, I think it's a little bit more complicated than people think. It's not just about growing your assets. It's not just about managing your taxes. It's trying to figure out how all these things start to work together. Um, I've got a good amount of wealth and yet I don't enjoy my life. Um, I work too much. I don't have a plan. I don't know my identity when I retire. Um, honestly, I don't know how my income is going to go. Am I going to sell stocks or am I going to pull dividends? Am I going to take social security earlier or later? But it all has to work together. And Chad, bless his heart, he said a couple things that were pretty cool. He talked about real estate analysis. That's something that the software does for financial planners. It all starts to integrate. They see that you have a rental. They see the income that you're getting. And they're able to now start advise on, well, maybe instead of selling it, maybe you roll it over into a 1031. Um, things that you're probably not thinking about. This is a good event, Seven Steps to Retirement Readiness, Stanford Park Hotel in Menlo Park, California, February 15th, 630 to 830. Check out CFP Chad Burton's website. It's called chadburton.com. Listen to his podcast because it's like this, but without all my gabbering. Chad, the 60-40. This is something that's um has been in debate. It's been a hot topic. Is it alive? Is it dead? Is it alive again? What's your thoughts? It is well alive, and so are laddering bond portfolios. Right. Uh-huh. So um we can talk a little bit about that, but you know, we don't get a ton into portfolio design in this event in the seven steps. Um, and so that's probably going to be kind of the next event that I develop. Okay. Um, 
it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's been an interesting year. Let me ask you. So if you were investing in January of 2022, would you rather own kind of a group of magnificent seven stocks, like the NASDAQ, right? All of the holdings in the NASDAQ, or would you rather own like a Vanguard value ETF? If you were to be investing January of 2022? Well, I know the answer to this one. And all I'll tell you is there's a guy who was on CNBC this morning and uh, he's a value guy and they're making fun of him because he's not a growth guy. The answer to your question is value. Exactly. Right. So if, if you look at the total return of like a VTV versus QQQ, there's two ETFs. If you were to invested January 3rd, 2022 um, and owned them until the end of 2023, you would have looked t- like an idiot in 2023, right? Because tech just rallied drastically. Um, but the person that had the most money uh, at the end of 2022 or at the end of 2023 was the person that held VTV the entire time because it never fell as much in 2022. So you get these points in time where very high PE ratio stocks drastically outperform everything else. Cause that's where the revenue growth is and everything. But, but the year before it was, it was different. So the right answer is actually owning both. You want growth and value cause they do well at different times. Um, you also look at bonds now and, Man, I remember when we started doing radio, we we just, you know, 1999 rates were were fairly high. Um, and they came down by 2006. The 10-year treasury was somewhere around, you know, 5 to 6% kind of a range. And kind of stopped laddering bond portfolios back then. It was just sticking with actively managed mutual bond funds because, I don't know, Rob, I think we both still probably believe that bond traders are probably a little smarter than stock traders. There's a lot more math involved and a lot more in a, in a low rate environment where rates are moving all over the place and eventually moving higher. It's a lot more difficult to manage bonds um, right. because you might buy a bond, interest rates might drop, and you might want to sell that bond before it matures for a gain. So total returns on bonds were, were pretty good from 2006 all the way to the bottom in 2020-ish. Um, and then now rates have gone back up and everybody's like, oh, rates are going to go lower in 2024. Uh, feds are going to drop rates. Well, we just got news yesterday that not likely, not likely in March, right? It might be mid-year before rates go down. And if inf- if we get the soft landing and back to growth, maybe rates go forward again. So um, bonds are now, in terms of a total return, attractive again. That's the 40% of the 60-40 portfolio. And stocks are always attractive, right? You go through periods of good times and bad times, you know, 70 to 74% of the time over your retirement, their stocks are likely going to be positive. Um, Typically when they're not bonds are positive. However, 2022 proved that, you know, that, that isn't always the case. That's something I've preached on radio since 1999 stocks and bonds are down at the same time. So those people that were retired lived off of their social security, the cash in the bank and their dividends and interest that were still being paid on the portfolio, even though the stock market was down in 2022 and the bond market was down in 2022. So even though bond prices were down in 2022, the income was still coming in. And so if you're worried about, okay, I like the idea of individual of bonds right now because rates are back up. But if we get back to this growth phase and that may or may not happen because we still have calls for a slight recession, soft landing or back to growth, you know, who knows, depends on who you t- listen to on CNBC or Bloomberg at any given moment. Um, a way to realize that you can say, okay, I'm going to have some of my portfolio. Let me see you carve out 250,000 more of your IRA and go into laddered bonds where you take 
your portfolio and divide it by, I'm going to have some bonds that mature in one year, some bonds that mature in two years, three years, four years, all the way to 10 years. That way you have certain income from interest that's being paid and that you know if you need to spend principal in a difficult market cycle, you have one-tenth of your portfolio maturing and dumping cash into your Schwab or Fidelity account, for example, that you can choose to spend if you want to. Um, so 60-40 is, is alive and well. Um, I typically would carve out a little bit of that 60% these days for some alternative investments for portfolios that are $2 million and above for private credit and private real estate. Um, but other than that, it is a live and well, it's just all about rebalancing on a quarterly basis in up markets to replenish your cash for retirees so that you're always ready for that next downturn. Automating things in retirement is probably a pretty good idea because it takes out the emotion. You asked me that leading question, which would I prefer growth or value? And the answer was value, but it's really tough to get that rid of that emotion because that's what I was doing when I was younger. You can meet CFP Chad Burton. At the 7 Steps to Retirement Readiness, you can listen to his podcast at chadburton.com, 7 Steps to Retirement Readiness. It's going to be in Menlo Park, February 15th, 6.30 to 8.30. Learn more about that event. Learn more about Chad at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com or robblackshow.com. Think you're in good shape for retirement? Find out how you're really doing with the 7 Steps for Retirement Readiness. Join Rob Black and CFP Chad Burton of EP Wealth Advisors Thursday, February 15th in Menlo Park for a live event. Chad will walk you through these 7 steps to find out whether you are really ready for the retirement you want. Rob will provide timely commentary and Chad will share specific strategies for taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and more. If you have at least 500000 in investable assets and want to gauge where your retirement stands, pass on your estate, and create tax efficiencies, this event is for you. The 7 Steps for Retirement Readiness, Thursday, February 15th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Stanford Park Hotel in Menlo Park. Space is limited, so sign up today at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Can you pass all seven tests? Sign up online today at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.